So as I said on the website, what we have an opportunity to do now is take the refuges and the precepts. I'm not sure how many of you have been um, practicing meditation, um, how involved you are or how, um, how much you've gotten into the practice, but the refuges and the precepts um, are two kind of, um, the refuges are refuges taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And the precepts are these um, kind of uh, invitations to behave in a way that is wise and wholesome and doesn't cause harm. And the formal taking of them is, uh, is a sweet, sweet ritual that I like to do um, each New Year's Eve or um, oftentimes we do it at the beginning of retreats as well. Um, it's just what it is. It, it, it begins to move the mind in a way to recognize what we're doing, um, why we're doing it, the, the really wholesome aspects of these teachings. So um, as we go through this, this, this evening, feel free to take them or not take them. There's no requirements. It doesn't mean that you are now it's not like you're being baptized into Buddhism. It doesn't mean anything like that. Um, so if you're a little nervous, it's... And, and you can just sit there quietly. You don't have to do anything. I'm, I'm going to have... Um, I'm going to um, recite them, and then you can, you, like, call in response. But I think we'll stay on, stay on mute, because if you've ever done um, a call in response or a, uh, everybody talking along on zoom, they don't, they haven't figured out how to sync it up yet. So it's really horrific. So we'll just kind of keep ourselves on mute. And, um, so what I want to do is I want to talk about what they are. So you understand, um, what, what we're doing. So taking refuge, the three refuges, um, it's often called the triple gem, um, taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. For me, I always think of it as like putting on an overcoat. Um, uh, North Carolina, I think, is, I don't know if you've been warm there, but I know it's been cold here on the West Coast. We've all had some seriously cold weather the last week. Yes, yeah, 73. Thanks, Tamara. 73 in North Carolina. But here on the East Co West Coast, it's been really cold. So like putting on that warm winter jacket when it's cold out, that's, to me, the image I have when I think about taking the refuges. It's this place of comfort. It's this place of a place to land. And so taking refuge in the Buddha, the Buddha was a, the, the, this, this person who really made this effort to um, find a way to liberation, find a way to let go of suffering, let go of that suffering that we cause ourselves. And he was a, and he, he, he had an awakening. He saw clearly um, that it's our attachment to things that causes so much distress and discomfort, our wanting things to be pleasant all the time and our um, un unwillingness to be with the discomfort. And he spent 45 years teaching. So for me, taking refuge in the Buddha is taking refuge in the idea of this person who was diligent in his practice for many, many years and had this awakening. So there is this refuge in the Buddha is like, I like to say, if he could do it, I can do it. 
You know, and people have been doing this for 2,500 years, um, over 2,500 years. So it's not, he's not a deity. It's not inaccessible. It's this, for me, it's a very practical, pragmatic way to live my life. And I have experienced a whole bunch of, of, of freedom from things I used to be trapped in that I didn't even know. These old ideas, this conditioning, these stories that I grew up with that I heard from outside or stories that I created on my own about the, the way the world should be. So to take refuge in the Buddha is to go, oh wait, he did it, I can do it. So there's this sense of, it's okay. It's not superhuman. It takes it takes something, but it's uh, it takes work. But um, that's all right. That's fine. Um, I'm not too lazy most of the time. And it's also the the recollection of the wisdom that's also present, or the awareness of the wisdom. So that's taking refuge in the Buddha. Taking refuge in the Dharma. It, Dharma has a couple of different um, meanings, or it's used a couple of different ways. One is the teachings. So taking refuge in the Dharma is taking refuge in all the teachings of the Buddha. He taught for 45 years. It was an oral tradition. It wasn't written down until a couple hundred years after he died, but we have vast quantities of uh, suttas or discourses where he taught. He didn't teach like a million different things. He taught really basic stuff. If you, if, when he was asked, he would say, I teach two things, the nature of suffering and the end of suffering. But he found a lot of different ways to talk about it, to kind of appeal to the people he was talking with. He talked in the vernacular. He, he, if he was talking to farmers, he talked in, in language that they would understand. If he was talking to kings, because he hung out with kings, he would talk in language they understood. So the, this um, taking refuge in the teachings that have been passed down for these, um, these years. But the, you know, in the core of the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and, and so on. And then um, the other meaning of Dharma is the way it is the present moment, taking refuge in the present, taking refuge in the reality of the moment. Because we're, it's, it's, our minds are so geared to seeing the moment, experiencing the moment, and then trying to figure it out. Whether consciously or not, there's always this, there seems to be a reaction that we're moving or going and fixing or shifting or changing. And instead, we take refuge in right now, it's like this. That's, that's kind of my go-to line. It's, it's right here on my arm. Right now, it's like this. Right now, it's like this. So taking refuge, putting down the, the boxing gloves that are having this fight with reality and just saying, right now, it's like this. Right now, it's like this. So that, for me, is taking refuge in the Dharma. And then taking refuge in the Sangha. Sangha is often translated as community. And originally it, it kind of meant the community of monastics that the Buddha created, the, the monks and the nuns that he taught and, and lived with and who were then teachers after he passed on. So it's taking refuge. Uh, that was the original intention, but it's, it's kind of the, the idea of uh, Sangha has broadened so that we are a sangha that exists tonight in community for just a couple of hours where we're here supporting each other, 
Um, we're we're like-minded folks kind of interested in this path, moving in the direction. And so the Sangha is our community, our um, uh, our, uh, our friends, our, our support. We can't do this alone. It's really important to understand that none of us can go sit in a cave and figure this out on our own. I mean, we could try, but there's I think there's a little bit of perspective that's lacking. So we need to have people to talk to, to work with, so that we get fed and that we can feed others. It's really important. And then Sangha is also this, line, this lineage Going back to the time of the Buddha, our spiritual ancestors, all these people, all these years throughout the world who have practiced this in in so many countries. The Buddha lived in India, but then it spread. It spread to Southeast Asia, up into Tibet, down into China, into Japan, um, and then to the West here. It's, there's so many people throughout the world who have practiced this so that we can take refuge in our spiritual ancestors and that we are, in this practice, we are spiritual ancestors for the folks who come after us as well. So there's this continuum that, that goes on forever. So taking refuge in, in that. So that's what the invitation is uh, when we in, are invited to take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So there's a chant that is the only chant I know in Pali. Pali is the language the original um, suttas were written in. Um, and uh, so I'm going to, I will, I will share my screen so you can, if you want to follow along, you can. If you want to, like I said, let's all keep, our, keep, our, keep ourselves on mute. Um, maybe at the end when we're done, we can try and do something all together and then run away screaming. But for this, let's... Uh, Let's just try and keep ourselves on, on mute. So I will share my screen. And so um, you can, as I said, follow along. And it's first is homage to the enlightened Buddha. And then we do things three times. We take refuge in the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha three times. So I'll begin. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Buddham saranam gachami, Dhammam saranam gachami, Sangam saranam gachami, Dutiyampi Buddham saranam gachami, Dutiyampi Dhammam saranam gachami, Dutiyampi Sangam Saranam Gachami Tatiyampi Buddham Saranam Gachami Tatiyampi Dhammam Saranam Gachami Tatiyampi Sangam Saranam Gachami
And I neglected to ask if there were any questions before we took the refuges. Were there any questions? Okay. So I want to move on now to um, the precepts. And the precepts are uh, a way that we intend to live our lives. And it's a way to uh, live so that we don't cause harm to ourselves or to others. And I like to think about it as a way we make it safe for people to be around us because we are not causing harm. Our intention is not to cause harm. And um, they form a real foundation. Along, they're part of the Eightfold. They're, they're kind of taken from the Eightfold Path. And, and there's, a, there's a portion of the Eightfold Path, which is the path to liberation, um, ethical behavior, sila. And their right action is in there and why speech is in there. And um, they're really important. And for me, they're a place to land. They're, again, a foundation that when I'm kind of in this place of not being sure of which way to turn or what action to take or what to do, oftentimes I, I, I look at the, um, the, the precepts and say, okay, how have I committed to living my life? I've committed to living my life this way so where does this action that I'm contemplating fall in this, in this realm? And so it's, it's, it kind of takes, um, for me, it's taken that pressure off because I, I was always like, should I do blah, 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 blah. I could never make a decision. And so it's kind of helped me. And it's also given me a, a place to stand on that I feel really um, solid I have a solid foundation. It's not kind of blown by what you say or what the next person says or what you that that other person or what they whatever, which is kind of um, real easy. It's like it, no, there's a there's a solidity here. There's a solidity here, and um, so I I'll go through the precepts. And then when we're done, when I'm done with that, I'll do a, I'll say it and then you can repeat it if you choose to take it because um, you don't have to do this. It's, and, and these are not commandments either. This is not a thou shalt do this. And if you don't do it, you're screwed. This is really an invitation to see how you're living your life. And are you living your life wisely and skillfully? It's really, and you want to move in this direction. Again, it's, it's like walking away from suffering or walking towards suffering. So the first one, don't kill. Really basic, really basic. Um, but it's expanded out to not just kill, but don't cause harm. So that's, that's a lot bigger than just not killing. Um, and... I'll also say that with each of these, it's not just thou shalt not do this, but it's like, okay, don't kill, don't cause harm, and cultivate kindness, cultivate compassion. Really important. You know, it kind of is the antidote to um, 
hatred. The, the three defilements are greed and hatred and ignorance, delusion. So it's like when we're when we're not causing harm, when we're not caught in that place, from where, whatever reason, um, we're, we're whatever reason we cause harm. A lot of times, I caused harm, a lot of harm unintentionally, but because I was so deluded, I was I was just working out of fear. And I thought I needed to do things to take care of myself, and I caused so much harm. And so to have a little bit more clarity, um, that's what this practice does. Mindfulness helps us have a little bit more clarity. So not causing harm, but cultivate compassion, cultivate kindness, you know? And when we see harm being done, work to end it. I think that's incredibly important. It's not just, we, we, we practice not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of all beings. So when we see injustice, we work to end injustice. It's really important that we don't just not kill, but there's a proactive piece to it too. There's an action piece to it. So that's the first precept. The second precept is not taking what's not offered. And generally it's thought of not stealing, and you're not stealing stuff, not stealing um, money or property, but also what else are you taking? You know, I, I always come back to the, the, the thought of, are you in a relationship where you're just in it because it's beneficial, but you don't, the other person is much more invested and you're just taking from them? I mean, that kind of a thing. Um, where are you taking things that are not offered? It's, it's really an interesting um, concept to reflect on. And I find it fits in, in all corners of all parts of my life. It's like, oh, is this being offered or am I taking this out of fear that, I, that it's not enough? Um, taking credit where credit's not due. I mean, things like that. It's like, no, I did that when it was the other person but nobody knows, and what's the harm? You know, we, it, it, it kind of takes us, lets us step back from that slippery slope. It's like, well, if nobody sees it, but it's about internal. We see it internally, and it's really hard to have some ease and contentment when we have this churning inside. So not taking what's not freely offered, whatever that is, but also the, the flip side of that, cultivating generosity. That's an antidote to clinging and craving. Clinging to cling is to crave is to suffer. To cling is to suffer. So practicing generosity, you know, where can we, and again, not just stuff, but can we take somebody to the airport? Can we, that's always my favorite, especially if you're in LA and you've ever been to LAX or San Francisco International or wherever. It's like, um whatever how can you be generous can you talk to a friend on the phone who's having a difficult time be generosity of time you know all those types of things these are investigations this is a way to cultivate this 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 heart this this um this open-heartedness this kindness this compassion the third one is to be uh wise and careful with our sexuality and there are not a lot of strictures except we know no sex with minors and it's all consensual and we don't cause harm. 
that's really kind of all that's talked about in the suttas. And there's some other things, but it's, it's primarily just not with minors and consensual and not causing harm. Because this is really important because so much hurt. I'm sure all of us in this mosaic this evening have been impacted and have suffered greatly through, um, you know, our romantic relationships. And so to be really wise and intentional in how we move through that. So that's really important. Um, the next one is to be wise in our speech. Uh, and the Buddha offered five uh, considerations before we, before we speak. Is it truthful? Bottom line. So it's not just about, you know, not lying. Is, is it truthful? Is it necessary? Oftentimes it can be true, but not necessary. Is it kind? Are you saying it kindly? Is it the right time? And what's the intention? Is it a kind intention? Because we can do all those things. We can be truthful. We can be um, say it kindly. Uh, it can be at the right time. But our intention might be, you know, selfish or self-centered. So to really be uh, cautious in our speech. Because, again, speech can cause so much harm. And not just speech. Texting. Social media. It's amazing how much I don't say because I ask myself, is this necessary? And 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. So um, being wise in our speech and being kind in our speech and... Um, this is, this is something that I think, this wise speech has been a huge part of my practice, a huge part of my practice. I was sarcastic. Um, it was just who I was. And I realized, because it, it even says no sarcasm, no gossip, no, um, uh, you know, I call it snarcasm, snarky sarcasm. Um, you know, watching that, no harsh speech really watching how we, we interact with folks. And um, say what needs to be said. I, I said this was a, a one that I, I spent a lot of time on in my practice because I couldn't say what needed to be said. It was, it was really hard for me to speak up. So I had to practice speaking up. I had to practice saying the things that were important for me to say and that the other person needed to hear. So it's a practice, again, that goes both ways. It's not just... Oh, I'm not going to say anything, but say what has to be said. And then the last one is to not ingest anything that leads to intoxication because intoxication leads to heedlessness, which leads to mindlessness. And that's what causes so much harm when we're not paying attention. As I said before, all the harm I caused was because I was not paying attention. I was not paying attention. And I was just all about me, 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 me. Where's mine? What about me? Um, so to, to really not be heedless, not ingest, watch what we ingest. It says in the, in the precept, um, you know, drugs and alcohol, 
But Thich Nhat Hanh has beautifully expanded this precept to invite us to watch everything we ingest. What are we reading? What are we listening to? What are we eating? So much of that stuff that we ingest leads to heedlessness, leads to distraction, leads to delusion. Be cautious. How much I mentioned social media before. Social media in and of itself is not horrific. It's how we relate to it. Well, but how do we relate to it? You know, some folks can run in, see their friends, run out. Other people get sucked in for hours. That's mindlessness. That's mindlessness. Really be cautious and careful. So um, those are the precepts. That's pretty much how we move through the world. I find it it really takes care of just about all situations I'm in. And so um, are there any questions about any of these before we move on to taking the precepts? Well, then again, I'll share my screen. And uh, if we were all together, it would be a call and response. So I will say it out loud, and then you can say it um, yourself if you choose to take that precept. I mean, not, uh, not everyone is, uh, 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 abstains from drugs or alcohol. So that might be a precept that you say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to let that one go. So don't take it if you're intending to break it. Um, it's really okay. It's really okay. So, um, so I will share my screen again. And the, you see, they're called training precepts because we train in in living this way. I undertake the precept of not intentionally killing any living beings. I undertake the precept of not taking what is not freely given. I undertake the precept of being wise and careful with my sexuality. I undertake the precept of being wise, careful, and timely with my speech. I undertake the precept of refraining from the use of intoxicating drink and substances that lead to heedlessness. 